Thrive. My name is Marizal and I'm honored to be your online host for today. If this is your first time visiting us, we would love to hear from you. You can text NEW to 604-285-5770 and we will mail you a Thrive stainless steel water bottle. We are thrilled to have you here at Thrive. I would like to share Proverbs 22 verse 6 with you. Train up a child in the way that he should go and when he's old, he will not depart from it. At Thrive Kids, we are teaching your children the ways of the Lord and put in a lot of time to create the weekly children lessons because we want to make sure that the kids have an amazing experience online just like their parents. So don't forget to visit mythrive.info forward slash Thrive Kids for the kids activity and the Zoom class every Sunday from 10.45am to 11.15am. I'm sure all of you will agree with me that the winter is slowly creeping up on us so eggnog season is almost here. I've done some research and eggnog was used in the 13th century to toast to prosperity and good health. Do you like eggnog? In the chat room, leave a thumbs up if you like it, thumbs down if you don't like it. Once again, a thumbs up if you like eggnog or a thumbs down if you're not a fan of eggnog. Alright, we really miss seeing you here at Thrive. Take a selfie of yourself watching from home and share it on your social media. Don't forget to add hashtag Thrive Church Online. Today is the first episode of a brand new series on money management. Can't wait to learn more about what the Bible says about money. Join me by watching this powerful message from Pastor JB. Hello everyone and welcome to Thrive Church Online. My name is JB, I'm one of the pastors here at Thrive and I'm so excited to welcome you to an amazing Sunday here at Thrive Church Online. If this is your first time here, you are what we call our VIP. We are so glad that you came to join us today and to thank you for taking out your Sunday to be with us. We've got a special gift just for you. If you wanna to go to mythrive.info and touch the button new to Thrive, we would love to connect you with your very own Thrive Church stainless steel water bottle, just a way for us to say thank you so much for joining us today. Whether you stumble upon us online or you were invited by a friend, it is so great to have you here. In fact, we've got a saying here at Thrive, which is a welcoming. It's not just what we do, it's who we are. And so with that in mind, in your chat rooms right now, with your neighbors beside you, if you're sitting beside one, we just welcome another to church today. Would you give them a high five, a handshake, a, a, a hug, or an air high five, an air handshake, an air hug, whatever you think is appropriate. Would you greet someone in the chat room right now? Let's Welcome another to the house of God today. You guys are a beautiful church inside and out. And man, what a week we've had as we've been listening and watching the news about record numbers of people getting COVID-19 and just you know surges in the, the number of cases. And it has been in some cases a, a scary time this past week. And for me, I was thinking about giving you this message 
today, this morning, and for some reason, I just couldn't help but really miss you all. And just think to myself, man, this is the eighth month that we're doing online church together. And hey, don't get me wrong, I love doing church online with you. It's, it's, it's us making the best of our time together, and hopefully you enjoy it too. But man, I also can't wait for that day when we can see each other face to face again, or in some cases, the first time. And so we can't wait for that day, but we're going to wait. We're going to do the best we can with what we have, knowing that this too shall pass. We turn neighbor and say the best is yet to come. Can you tell them right now? The best is yet to come. So we're not going to give up. We're going to keep on going, knowing that God is in control and the best is yet to come. Lots of things to celebrate. One of the things that we do here at Thrive to help you grow in your relationship with God is called Thrive Discipleship School. And our latest batch of graduates of Thrive Discipleship School Level 1 and 2 just graduated this past Sunday. Can you give all of our graduates a big hand, a big shout together right now? Let's congratulate them. Big congrats, big, big congrats to them. We had our graduation ceremony online. In fact, this is the first time we did TDS, Thrive Disciple School, completely online, every part of it. And it was an amazing time. And just amazed to see the ways that people grew in their relationship with God, formed new habits, experienced new ways that God was working in their lives. And we can't wait for you, if you haven't yet joined us on Thrive Church or, or Thrive Disciple School, to be a part of that. And so you can sign up for that. You can go to mythrive.info, our next Next offering of TDS is going to be in the first half of 2021, and so you don't want to miss it. We also finished a series just last week called Happier You, Learning the Secrets to a Happier You. I so enjoyed that series. I, I think many of you guys did. We appreciate your feedback on that series. And just following up on the final talk that we gave in that series about forgiveness a couple weeks ago, uh, someone asked you know, over email and said, hey, like, how can I get more into this topic of forgiveness? Well, if you need uh, to get into that more, if you want to explore this idea of forgiveness a bit more, then I encourage you to sign up for TDS. Because in that in that series or in that course, we talk about for forgiveness. In fact, we give you opportunities not just to learn about forgiveness, but to experience the work of God's forgiveness in your life. And so I want to encourage you to sign up for that as well. Turn neighbor and say, uh, praise God, the best is yet to come. Praise God, the best is yet to come. We like using that saying here at Thrive. It's because here at Thrive, we're not here to spread contagious hurt or something infectious like a virus, but we're here to spread something infectious called hope. It's called the year of contagious hope. And if we can be praying for you in any kind of way, if there is something that you need prayer for, you can touch that prayer request button or send us an email at info at thrivechurch.ca. We'd love to assist in whatever way that we can. Did you guys bring your Bibles here today? Did you? If you wouldn't mind grabbing your Bibles right now, it's time to do that. Maybe yours is a paper Bible like mine. Maybe yours is a device that you got the Bible in. Either way is cool. Why don't you hold up mirror like so right now as we get into the message together. This is just a fun way for us to get our hearts ready for the message. Why don't we say this together out loud right now. We're going to say, this is my Bible. It is God's word. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I open up my heart so that God's word can come in and change my life, and I will never be the same. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Well, if you're new to church or you're new to faith, you've never really been to church before, then I want to especially welcome you today. I, pr I pray that this place called Thrive Church Online would be a safe place for you, a place where you can just be yourself, a place where you can find some community, find some encouragement, find some hope, maybe even some answers to some of the questions you're asking. And so we just hope you sit back and relax and enjoy today's service and make yourself right at home. It's so good to have you here 
regardless of where you're coming in from or what background you come from. It is so good to have you here today. Today, we are starting a new series at Thrive Church Online. It is called Financially Fit financially fit. And this is a series on money management. And if you're in a place right now where you could use some direction when it comes to money management, if you've got questions about money management, if you're just curious what the Bible says about certain aspects of money management, then I want to encourage you to send us a, a question at info at thrivechurch.ca. We've already gotten a lot of different questions, questions about giving, questions about luxury, questions about the lottery, all these different things. And we can't promise that we can address every single one of your questions specifically, but we're going to do our best to do so, and at the very least, to give us an idea of what are some of the questions people are thinking about during this time, what kind of advice or biblical wisdom we can provide to you, and how we can pray for you as well. See, it's a special challenge for me to talk about money management in a time like this, because even as we're talking right now, in Canada, they say that approximately 1.8 million people are unemployed right now. That is that there are 1.8 million people in Canada who are looking for work but are not able to find work. In fact, they said that during the first two months of the pandemic, they said that 3 million people lost their jobs in Canada. And see, it also says that 826,000 people right now are working part-time when they would rather be working full-time, just because they don't have full-time work to have right now. According to Statistics Canada, they said that low-wage employees have been hit hardest among employees. And on top of that, tens of thousands of business owners have had to do the heartbreaking thing of closing their doors, their businesses for good. And see, the Bank of Canada has been forecasting, they just announced this past week, that maybe, just maybe, Canada's economy might not get back to where it was or get back on track until 2023. And so I am fully aware that these are unprecedented times for us, especially when it comes to the economy, for people across Canada and around the world. And if you are struggling financially today, or you lost your job, or you lost your business, or you're out of work right now, can I just begin today by saying to you, your net worth and your self-worth are not the same thing is that your worth isn't determined by how much money you got in your bank account or what kind of house you live in or what, whether or not you have a job or the state of your business right now. You know what your worth is determined by? Your worth was settled when Jesus died on the cross for you. See, the fact is that even just for the chance to one day maybe, just maybe, be in a relationship with you, God sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. That's how much you mean to God, is that your worth and your, self, your net worth and your self-worth, they're not the same thing. Your worth was settled at the cross where Jesus Christ died. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are worth so much to God. You are worth so much to God. And so remember that. And see, though a chapter of your life may have had to close and it's been a tough time, can I tell you this? I absolutely believe God is not finished with your story. That God is writing a greater story than anything that you could imagine. And so don't give up, but hang on, persevere, fight through, because I believe you're going to see the light at the end of this tunnel. Maybe you're here and you haven't been hit so hard financially during COVID. Maybe some of you have even benefited financially. I don't know. Maybe you started a recreational vehicle business. I don't know. But see, you, you need to consider yourself extremely blessed because I believe the reason why God has allowed you to be in this position today isn't just for you, isn't just for your own comfort or your own safety, but it's so that you could be a blessing. You are blessed to be a blessing. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, you're blessed to be a blessing. 
you're blessed to be a blessing. And since you're blessed to be a blessing, if you're able to during this time, you know, if you're able to give a, a job to someone who's qualified and looking for work, I, I pray you would do that. You know, I'm sure some would really appreciate that, and you just might be even more blessed because you do. See, this is a tough time for many, many people, but that's why especially we're doing this series on money management called Financially Fit. The fact is, is when you're going through a tough time, you and I, we have a choice. We can either put our hope in ourselves or we can put our hope in God. And when I say put our hope in God, I don't just mean go to church. I don't just mean saying, oh God, I put my hope in you. Not just looking on the bright side of things. When I say put your hope in God, what I mean is getting serious about what God tells us to do. It's about getting serious about living the way that God tells us to live and trusting that when we do things God's way, it is better off for us when we do so than if we did things our own way. And see, Jeremiah 17, 5 to 8 says it this way in the New Living Translation. It says this. It says, this is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They're like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited salty land, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. See, over and over, you're going to find that the Bible paints a vision for our lives that says that God's vision for your life is that you would be like a tree planted by streams of water that bears fruit in every season. And when does that happen? How does that happen? It happens when you make God's word your hope. And see, it's almost as if the Bible presents two contrasting visions for your life, is that you can either go your own way, do your own thing, rely on yourself, and ultimately experience disaster. Or you can go God's way, do things God's way, and experience prosperity even in a a tough time is that you can prosper in every season. Now, don't get me wrong. When I say prosperity, let me tell you what I mean. See, I'm not here to preach some health and wealth prosperity gospel message where, you know, if you just believe you can be a billionaire, or if you just believe you can drive the nicest car, or if you just believe you can have the biggest mansion on the biggest side of town, on the biggest hill. You know, I'm not talking about that. We're not that kind of church. The fact is, is the Bible already says that God has a unique destiny for you, that you can can't compare to anyone else. God has a unique set of talents that he's given to you that you can't really compare to anyone else. And the fact is this, is that the Bible has a unique destiny. It says you've got a unique destiny, but I would be amiss to, 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 to fail to tell you that the Bible also promises over and over that if you would put your hope in God and do things God's way, the Bible promises you will prosper. And not just financially, but in every area of life. That is the promise of God for you and for me. And I'm here to tell you this, and I'm even willing to sacrifice my English grammar to say it, is that God's word doesn't just work good when times are good. 
God's word works just as good when times are bad. And see, in fact, that's why we've been given God's word, so that we can prosper in every season. And that's why I believe with all of my heart is that though Canada and the world are going through a tough time economically right now, if you would put your hope in God and take seriously what God says about how we need to live our lives, you can still prosper and bear fruit in this season. And that's why we're doing this series called Financially Fit. See, when I say financially fit, I don't mean you're becoming a billionaire. I I mean you're financially healthy, that you're spending less than you make, that you're not bogged down by a whole load of debt or or suffocated by so much worry and stress because of money, that you're able to not just live paycheck to paycheck, barely making ends meet, but that you're able to live well and save for your future as well as the future of the next generation after you, that you're giving both to your church and to other causes as well. That's what I mean by financially fit. I believe that God wants every single one of us to be financially fit and that there's a way to do so. You don't have to be in the highest paying job. You don't have to be a basketball player or a baseball player making some crazy salary, but that if you would take seriously the words that we're going to be talking about in this series, that you will be on your way to becoming financially fit. Turn your and say, let's be financially fit. Let's be financially fit. See, let's get into this series called Financially Fit right now. See, in this series, I'm hoping to show you some timeless truths about money and money management from the Word of God. Do you know, for example, that there are approximately 2,350 verses in the Bible on money and possessions? Yeah, 2,350. In fact, there are three times more verses in the Bible about money and possessions than there are about love. Do you know that? You know, often people talk about, you know, love being the biggest theme in the Bible, but the fact is there are three times more verses in the Bible about money and possessions than love. For example, when you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the first three books of the New Testament, one out of every six verses actually talks about money. And, you know, out of the 38 parables, these short stories that Jesus taught, 16 of the 38 are involving money. And see, Jesus, he talks more about money than he does heaven and hell. In fact, in the Old Testament, money is the second most talked about topic in the New Testament. The first is the kingdom of God. And see, why is that? It's because God knows that the way we look at money and the way we handle money in many ways determines our future. And the way we look at money is actually a reflection of what's deep down inside of us. And that Jesus puts it this way, is that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's that if you want to know what's most important to me, all you need to do is look at how I spend my money. Because my money in many ways is a reflection of my priorities. And so that's why having a right attitude about money is so very crucial. Let me begin today by telling you three truths about money. And our Thrive Disciple School graduates, they know something about this already, but let me go into uh, some detail with you right now. Number one truth about money from the Bible. Number one, money is a tool. Money is a tool. See, there are these two extreme, unhealthy approaches that people often take when it comes to money that we need to be careful to avoid. See, the first unhealthy, extreme approach is to obsess over money, is to worship money, is to constantly think about money, constantly worry about money, constantly sacrifice everything else in life just for the sake of getting a little bit more money. It's hoarding that money. That's why it's, that's what we call worship 
worshiping money. It's, it's almost like we make money into this idol that we worship. The Bible calls that the love of money. And that is an extreme, unhealthy approach to money. But on the opposite end of the spectrum, there's also another extreme, unhealthy approach to money. And that is where you just try not to think about money at all. And you, you, you almost even think your know, money is evil, it's worldly, it's unspiritual, it's dirty, and I, I don't want to be part of that. And you think stuff like, oh, doesn't Jesus say, blessed are the poor? No, he doesn't. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. That's different. You know, it's, it's something where money is not an idol to be worshipped. It's not an evil to be avoided. It's a tool to be used. See, we need money. We don't worship it like it's God. We don't avoid it like the plague, but we use it as a tool. Money is a tool. Turn to him and say, money is a tool. Ecclesiastes 10, verse 19 says this. It says, bread is made for laughter, and wine gladdens life, and money answers everything. See, what is that saying? It's saying that bread is important. We need bread. Wine is nice to have, but if you want either bread or wine, you first need money. See, money is a tool, and when you use money well, money is great for taking care of your family, taking care of yourself, meeting the needs of people around you, equipping your church, helping people in the community. Money is a great tool for doing things that glorify God, that serve God's purposes on the earth, that expand his kingdom. We need money in order to do the things that God made us to do. As former UK Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher is quoted as saying, no one would have remembered the good Samaritan if he hadn't had money. See, in other words, if you don't have money, it's tough to help other people. It's tough to be a blessing when you don't have money. And see, we need money to do the good things God wants us to do. But at the same time, the opposite is also true, is that when we abuse money, when we use it irresponsibly, we do the opposite, is that we can do a lot of harm. See, money is a tool, and it all depends on how you use it. It. Financial advisor Dave Ramsey, he says this. He says, money is like a brick. I can take a brick and I can throw it through someone's window, or I can take a brick and build a church or a hospital. The brick doesn't care. The brick is just a brick. But when, it, I, when you put it into the hands of a human being, it takes on the character of that person. It does whatever that person holding it wants to do. Money is like that as well, is that money takes on the character of whoever is holding it. It's that it, it's, it, it does whatever that person holding it wants it to do. Oh, but JB, no, d- doesn't the Bible say that money is the root of all evil? No, it doesn't. Look at what it says in 1 Timothy 6.10. It says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. See, what is the love of money? The love of money is you making money your obsession. It's you setting your heart so much on money that it consumes your life. And as a result, it's easy to go astray on God's other purposes for your life. And see, but there's a, ra- there's a way to use money without love. It. And that's what we're made to do. Oh, but JB, doesn't like Matthew 13, 22 warn us about the deceitfulness of riches and wealth? Isn't it talking about, you know, how riches are deceitful? Well, let me tell you this. When Jesus talks about the deceitfulness of riches, he's not saying that money is bad or that wealth in and of itself is evil or that money itself is trying to deceive you. If, if you're not sure about that, just, for, you know, you, you can pull out from your wallet a $5 bill or a $50 bill or $100 bill. Let me ask you this. Has that $50 bill ever said to you, you know, some lies like, hey, hey, JB, do you know the earth is flat? 
Oh, hey, 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 you know, so-and-so didn't win the presidency, like, or whatever, whatever, whatever lie you want to do. And, and see, this is the thing, is Jesus isn't saying that your money has a way of playing tricks on you, or that your money is lying to you, that that's the deceitfulness of wealth. What he's saying is that we can deceive ourselves when it comes to money. We can start to think that money is all that I need and nothing else. And, and here's the thing, instead of controlling money, sometimes we can allow money to control us. That's the love of money. Let me put it this way. Money is an excellent servant, but but it's a horrible master. Money is an excellent servant, but it's a horrible master. We need to realize that money is not an idol to be worshipped. It's not an evil to be avoided. It's a tool to be used. Turn to me and say, it's, it's a tool to be used. Point number two about money. Money is a trust. See, what is a trust? See, a trust is where I take my phone, for example, and go as far up to you as I possibly can. I'm going to give this phone to Grace, all right? Grace is behind the camera. Yeah, thanks so much, Grace. And see, what I've done, I've given my phone to, to, to Grace, and prepare I say to Grace, you know, Grace, this is my phone. I want you to take care of it, and, you know, it's yours. You can use it, whatever you want. I want you to take care of it for me until I get back. Thank you so much. You can hang on that for now. And, and what's the thing is that, is that, what have I done? I have entrusted my phone to Grace. Who's the owner of the phone? It's me. I'm still the owner, but Grace is now the trustee of that phone. She is now the manager of that phone. She is now the steward of that phone. In the same way, the Bible says that God says every good thing we have in life, our time, our relationships, our talents, and our money don't ultimately belong to us. They belong to God. And that you're not the owner, but you are a trustee, you're a steward, you're a manager of what God has given to you. And one day as a trustee, a steward, a manager, you're going to give an account to God of how you manage what he gave to you, because it ultimately belongs to him. If you believe that, say amen. Look at 1 Corinthians 4.2. It says, now it is required that those who've been given a trust must prove faithful. Turn to your mirror and say, you've been given a trust. You begin to trust, and one of, that, one of those examples of trust is money. Number three, money is a test. See, money is not the be-all and end-all of everything. One day when you die, you're not going to take any of your money with you, but you will be rewarded or punished in part based on the way you used your money here on earth. Look at Luke chapter 16, 11 to 12. It says, so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? See, one day, each of us is gonna answer to God. God is gonna audit our life. And he's going to see how we used our money. And if we are faithful with the things that God gave us, he will bless us with more. If we are not faithful to the things that God gives us, he will eventually take the things that we do have away as well. Now, does that mean that if you, you know, if you look around and you see someone who's maybe relatively poor, that you think, oh, unfaithful unfaithful. No, no, no. Or you see, you see someone who's, who's got a lot of money, seems to have a lot of, oh, he's been faithful. See, no, not necessarily. In fact, in some cases, the fact is God gives different gifts, different talents, different opportunities, different sets of these things to different people. Because like we said, yours is a unique destiny. And the question is not how is what you're doing compared to someone else? It's what are you doing with what God has given to you? So if money is a tool, 
And money is a trust, and money is a test. How can you and I be good managers of the money that God has given to us? Look at Proverbs 17, 16. It says, of what use is money in the hand of a fool, since he has no desire to get wisdom? In other words, we need not just money, but we need wisdom to know how to manage money. And without wisdom, we're just going to waste whatever money is in our hands. That's why today I want to end by talking about five habits that God wants all of us to have when it comes to managing money. And as we go through these five habits, I think you're going to find that being financially fit is not a matter of luck. It's not about coming from some rich family. It's not being really good at math. It's not having an economics degree. It's about your day-to-day habits. And you're going to find that whether you're in a lower tax bracket or a higher tax bracket or whether you own a business or you're a stay-at-home parent or you're working or you're studying, whether you got a regular salary that's set every month or you got more irregular pay, these five habits are essential to financial fitness. And the way we express these habits may to some extent differ depending on your situation, depending on your age, depending on you know, your, your life stage, your income, but it's really tough to be financially fit without these five habits. These aren't all the financial habits the Bible talks about. We're going to start with these today. These are five habits for financial fitness. We're going to focus on the, the first four. The fifth we'll cover uh, you know, in more detail later, but here are the five habits for financial fitness we're going to cover today. Number one, keep good records. Keep good records. Proverbs 27, 23 to 24 says, Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. See, who's, who's writing this? The guy who's famous for these words is a guy called Solomon. And back in Solomon's time, all the economy was tied up in agriculture and livestock. And so, you know, it's, it's all tied up in animals. And so when, when people wanted to see how wealthy they were, they would look to see how much livestock they had and the condition of their livestock. And so when Solomon says, know the condition of your flocks, he's saying, pay attention to what your money is doing. Keep good records. See, if Solomon were living today, he wouldn't say, know the condition of your flocks. He would say something more like, know the condition of your stocks, because the economy has changed. And see, in the next verse, verse 24, Solomon gives the reason why it's important to pay attention, keep good records. Verse 24 says, for riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. See, why is it important to keep records? Because if you don't keep good records of your money, that money can disappear without you even noticing. That, and have you ever been, you know, looked in your bank account after a month, you're like, where did all the money go? Oh my goodness, what happened? And see, it, it's like they left, the, the money left without saying goodbye. And, and, and this thing, you need to take good records, keep good records. Proverbs 27, 23 to 24 says this in the, the Living Bible Translation. It says, riches can disappear fast, so watch your business interests closely. Know the state of your flocks and your herds. See, there are four facts that you need to know when you're talking about keeping good records of your finances. Four things you need to know. Number one, what I owe. Sorry, what I own. That's your assets. Number two, what I owe. That's your debt. Number three, what I earn. That's your income. Number four, where it goes. That's your expenses. What I own, what I owe, what I earn, and where it goes. All right, those are four things that you need to know. I remember when I was in university, I use a really simple system for keeping track of my finances. See, I had this big black binder that I bought from, I think it was Business Depot or Staples, and whenever I got a bank statement showing what I owned, I would put it under tab A. 
And then when I paid a phone bill, I put it behind tab B. And whenever I paid my rent for the little apartment that I was, uh, you know, that I was renting, you know, I would put it behind tab C. And this actually saves me a whole lot of time. Because whenever I need to look anything, I just go with that one big black binder. And then a couple years later, I, I started dating a girl called Charlene. And I found that she used a very similar system, except instead of using a big black binder, she used a very big black box. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is financial compatibility. You know, this must be love. And then we started to fight about whether we should use a box or a binder. But the fact is this, you need a system for keeping track of your finances. Do you have a system? And maybe if you don't, it's time to get one. Maybe for some of you, your system is called a spreadsheet on Excel. For some of you, maybe it's called an app on your phone like Mint. Maybe for some of you, that system right now is called your mom or your spouse. Even if that's the case, even if that's your system, you still need to know what's going on because if you don't have a good picture of where your finances are going, they can disappear real quick. See, that's the first habit to financial fitness is keeping good records and reviewing them regularly so you know where your money is going. Turn to your neighbor and say, know where your money is going. Know where your money is going, first off, by keeping good records. Number two, habit number two, plan and control your spending. Has this ever happened to you before? You maybe get your paycheck or you've got an allowance and you see something you like online or in a store and without really thinking anything, you just go ahead and you buy it. You just, oh, I like it. I buy it. I like it. I got it. You know, I got it. I like it. I got it. You know, and, 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 and this is the thing. And, and you, you keep on doing that throughout the month until at the end of the month, you realize that without even trying to, you've spent more than you had or you spent more than you made, and now you've got nothing or very little left for paying bills, for savings, or for giving, and now you need to borrow from something or someone to cover the difference. Has that happened to you before? See, if that's you, then you're not alone. Manulife Bank did a study last year and found that approximately 38% of Canadians admit to living beyond their means. That is, they're spending money faster than they're earning it. And as a result, they're getting deeper and deeper into debt. And with that debt comes a great deal of stress. And when people ask, are, are asking, you know, why do you do that? Some of the reasons that come up are, are, are things like you know, impulse buying. I, I don't really think about it. I, I want it, I got it. I want it. I got it, or, or you know, it's a fear of missing out. And see, Proverbs 20, 20, sorry, Proverbs 21, 20 says it very bluntly. It says this, it says, stupid people spend their money as fast as they get. And see, so much of our world today is in trouble financially because of uncontrolled spending. And yet over and over and over, the Bible talks about the importance of planning and controlling your spending. Look at Luke chapter 14, verse 28. Jesus says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays a foundation, is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him saying, this fellow began to build but was not able able to finish. See, Jesus, what is he talking about? In the context of following him, he's talking about the importance of counting the costs and planning how you spend. And see, how do you plan and control your spending? Well, you know, one of the best ways to do so is through a budget. 
What is a budget? A budget is a plan for how you will spend the money that you expect to have. Where before the month begins, you write down all the income you expect to have, you write down all the ways you need to or want to spend the money that you have, and then you start making decisions in advance about how you're gonna spend the money. You're making a plan. And then as you're going through the month, you're recording how you're using your money and you're matching it up against the plan. See, John Maxwell says a budget is you telling your money where to go instead of just wondering where the money went. See, instead of, and even if, you're, even if you're here and you've got an irregular income, maybe you work based on commission or you know, you're, you're doing part-time work, you know, it's still a good idea to have a budget and it's still possible to do so. You're gonna find that when you've got a budget, having a budget gives you confidence and peace of mind and it gives intentionality to the way you're spending your money. You can finally set some goals. They say that goals are dreams with working boots on. You can finally set some goals. You can dictate where the money is going. With a budget, you can actually spend Spend without the guilt or the stress of wondering, am I going to break the bank by doing this? You know, having a budget helps also to eliminate problems like overspending or bounced checks, NFF, NSF checks, or you know, you know, going into overdraft. You know, with, with with a budget, it's also easier to spot problems in the way you're using your money. You're like, oh my goodness, this past month, past month I spent like fifteen hundred dollars on Uber Eats. Oh my goodness, I got to cut down. And see, that's what having a budget helps you to do to spot the problem. But see, nowadays, there are all sorts of tools, apps, programs you can use to make a budget. But the thing is, many people, they fear budgeting because they fear what they're going to find if they start budgeting. And so they just don't. They're, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Don't, I, don't, I don't want anyone to show me. And that, when is that, 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 there's, there's a word for that. That's called denial. That's denial. And, and, and so oh, I'm not going to think about it. And, and you know, let me tell you this. Just because you don't think about it doesn't mean the problem's going to go away. In fact, it's just going to get worse. You need to take a look. Now, if you say, oh, you know, about JB, when it comes to budgeting, I just don't want to feel so restricted. You know, I, I, I want to I be able to spend as much as I wish without thinking so much. See, let me tell you this, this way. If you're in a situation where you're always making more money than you spend, you're, 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 and you're, you're not in debt. You've always got an ample amount of savings, both for your retirement and for your children's future, and you're giving generously, then maybe you don't need to budget in your situation. But if you are barely making ends meet, or if you're spending a lot more than you're making, or if you're, you've, you've got substantial debts to pay off, or if you're not saving for the future, then you really got to put limits on your spending and even look at cutting your spending. Here's a question for you today. How well do you plan and control your spending? See, if you don't have a plan for controlling your spending, it's time to get one. Maybe you're married. Talk it out with your spouse about how to do that. Warning, it might not be the easiest conversation to have, but it's worth it if you want to be financially fit together. See, say you're shopping online at jimmychew.com and you're, you're trying to decide between, oh, should I get the $900 Jimmy Choo shoes or the 80, or the $80 you know, replicas at you know, Nordstrom or whatever? You know, wh- which one should I get? Which shoes, which shoes will I choose? The shoes or the non-shoes? Which one could I choose? If, like, if, if you're not really sure, here's what I would do. First of all, ask yourself, is this within my budget? 
That's called counting the cost. Have you planned for it? Number two is, do I really need this? See, what, what would happen if I didn't get these shoes? Why do I want it so badly? Is there a better use of my money than, put, than putting you know, all this money into this? Oh, but JB, it's on sale. Don't you love those words, on sale? I love them too. The fact is this, is you know, so many of the clothes that I wear on the stage, because I don't want to look sloppy in front of you, all of them are, all of them are you know, fit, like what's it? Clearance item, 50% off, 40% off, gift, you know, it's, it's, it's all those, when, when you look in my closet, you know, the fact is I was actually looking at the, the clothes I was wearing yesterday, I was laughing about the fact that, you know, I've got a shirt that's from 2008 that's got all these holes in it, I call it my holy shirt, right, I've got a long sleeve shirt on which I've been wearing since, since grade nine, that shows how much, how little I've grown up uh, in different ways, uh, you know, I, I, and I, I'm wearing track pants that actually belong to my wife but for some reason they fit me better. That, that, that's, you know, that, that, that for me, I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of frugal, I'm kind of cheap that way. But here's the thing, whether or not you're like me, the fact is this, what, like, finding something you need on sale is cool. Finding something cool on sale doesn't mean you need it, amen? Amen? See, and, and we, we're going to talk maybe next week about, and some of you ask a good question, can, can Christians buy luxury items? And let, let me just give you a little, a little, little primer on that one, is that I believe that, you know, I don't believe that if you have an LV bag that you've automatically sinned, or if you bought a Corvette, you've automatically sinned. It, 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 it's, it's, it's a lot more complicated than that. You have to look at the overall picture of what are you doing overall with the money that you're using. Are you going to deep into debt and ignoring God's purposes for money just to get that? If not, then maybe it's okay. It depends. But here's the thing, is that God wants us to be wise managers of our money, and so you need to find ways to control your spending. If you believe that say amen. Another thing is this, is think about it overnight. See, before making a big purchase, it always helps to sleep on it. Don't rush into it. Sometimes we get so caught up in the emotion and the rush of closing that deal that we, you know, fail to take a step back and go, is, is this really something that's good? Is this really something that, that, that really is going is, is to make a difference in the end? And so avoid impulse buying by thinking about it overnight. Proverbs 21 verse 5 says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. We're talking about planning and controlling your spending. Is, that hel- is this helpful in this place so far? Praise God. Number three, save wisely for the future. Save wisely for the future. Someone asked a good question. So the New Testament talks a lot about giving away your money and being generous. I want to know if it is selfish or being small of faith to save up money instead of giving it away after we've given our tithes and offerings for the month. Now, we're going to talk a bit more in detail about giving later on in the series. But let me ask you this. Is it selfish and small of faith to save the rest of your money after you've given your tithes and offerings for the month? No. No, it's not. See, in fact, I would say it's almost small of faith not to save your money after you've given your tithes and offerings. And do you know why? It's because over and over, the Bible talks about the importance of saving. Do you know that? Look at Proverbs 21, 20. It says, the wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. See, there's a, there's, there's a value in saving that the Bible recognizes. Proverbs 21, 20 in the NIV says, In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. You have examples of saving. Your first example of saving, one of the first. You have Joseph in Egypt. He helps, the, he, he helps Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to save the entire nation from seven years of famine by planning in advance and saving ahead of time. See, what, what, why save? See, could you imagine this? 
is that a few days after your death, your children are given an envelope that contains your will, and as they open it to the first page, there's an apology note from you saying, sorry kids, mom didn't save anything for you because she was being a good Christian and giving all her money away to strangers. Sorry. See, let me tell you, are you being a good Christian by doing that? By giving all your money away and not taking care of your family? No. Look at, look, look, look at 1 Timothy 5.8. It says, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for his immediate family, he is denied the faith. See, see this is the thing. It is biblical to save. It is necessary to save. In fact, saving meets four purposes. Why do we save? For emergencies. You know, some of you who've been saving, who've had an emergency fund, thank God you've been doing so because in a time like this, that's when we need it for big purchases. You know, maybe you're buying a home, you're making a big purchase, we need to save up for that. For building wealth for your retirement, we need to save for that. If you're not saving, you just assume that somehow, you know, you know the pension is going to cover you and, and you're going to be okay, but you're not saving, guess what? You have another thing coming. And, and four, it's to take care of your future generations. You know, how, how many families have been in a lot of pain because of a lack of saving? See, how should you save? The answer is little by little, little by little. Proverbs 13, 11 says this. It says, dishonest money dwindles away, but he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. In the, in the ESV version, it says, wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Can I tell you something? Do you know what my favorite part of getting my paycheck is? you know what my favorite part of it is? It's, because it, I'm going to tell you this, is that in, in our home, in the Lim home, Charlene, she's in charge of tithing for us. I'm in charge of saving for us. And so I got the saving part. And you know what? My favorite part is the saving part. Is that for some reason, I just really look forward to that moment when I can get that check and I can deposit it. And the first thing I do is I take out a percentage for savings. For some reason, I just love that. I get, I get a bigger kick out of that than getting a deal on Amazon.ca. Like for me, it's just like, for some, and why is that? And I think I know why. It's because I love watching things grow. Whether it's things or it's people or it's money, I like watching things that I plant grow. I just like that. I love that. And I don't think I'm the only one. And the fact is, you may, oh, but JB, have you seen the saving rate, the interest rate for savings accounts right now? Why bother saving right now? Hey, let me tell you this. You've got other options, but the point is you need to save. You absolutely do. Young people, I, I, if you're kind of you know, in the 25-year-old range, can I encourage you, start saving now. You actually had to start saving yesterday. We all did. And the fact is this, you know, even, if you, even if you're in debt, you know, even if you know, you've got a situation where you know, it's like you've got, you know, you've got you know, some, some, some student loan to pay or you've got you know, some other things that, you, that, are, that are taking up your money, you still need to find a way to save, even if it's just a little bit. You've got to do that and make it a consistent habit because you're going to be surprised that if you would save just a portion of your income every week or every month and you put it somewhere secure with just enough risk that you feel comfortable with to grow, you're going to be surprised how if you do that month after month, year after year, you're going to be surprised just how much your money can grow. It's called the power of compound interest. Albert Einstein has been credited with saying compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. It is the most powerful force in the world. Whoever understands it, earns it. Whoever doesn't, pays it. The fact is this, is that you need to save. Turn neighbor and say, you need to save. Saving is biblical. Saving is necessary for emergencies, for big purpose, for big purchases, for wealth building for your family. You need to save. Number four, give God the first part. Give God the first part. See, this is what we call in the Bible tithing. 
And if you maybe heard the term before, tithing, it's, a tithe means one-tenth. And so it's, t- it's saying you give the first tenth to God. Now, we're not going to go into detail about this here. So many of you guys know about that. A lot of you guys f- tithe faithfully at TDS. We go into a lot of detail about what tithing is. Let me just really quickly go through the promise, the purpose, the place, and the day that you tithe. See, first, the promise. Proverbs 3, 9 to 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. What is that promise? Is that if you would put God first in your finances, if you would give God first, the first fruits of your wealth, in other words, the first part, God promises that you will prosper. See, that's the promise. He promises you will have everything you need. The, the, what's the purpose of tithing? Why do we tithe? Is it just so that church can have money? No, it's not just that. Deuteronomy 14.23 says it here. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first first in your lives. See, when I tithe, I'm saying something about my past, my present, and my future. I'm saying, God, thank you for what you've done and given to me in the past. Right now, in the present, you're number one in my life, and I trust in you. You're the one I hope in. And number three, in your future, I'm going to trust in you. When it comes to tomorrow, I'm going to trust in you. That's what you're saying when you, when you give your tithe. You know, Shar and I, when we first got married, we made a decision together to say, you know what? We are, no matter what our financial situation is like, we're committed to giving the first 10% of what we have to God. And sometimes, on some months, it was a step of faith. But you know what? God has never, ever shortchanged us. He's always been faithful to that promise because God is faithful to every promise he makes. If you believe that, say amen. And now where should I bring my tithe? Well, it's to the church where you worship. Look at Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. It's saying, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Where's the storehouse? It's in the temple, in the temple where the people worship. It's, it's the equivalent of the church today is that where you go to worship, that's where you give your tithe. Some people say, okay, I'll tithe, but I'm going to choose where I give the tithe. I'm going to give some to United Way. I'm going to give some to World Vision. I'm going to give some to, you know, Big Brothers. I'm going to give some to the Red Cross. I'll sprinkle, maybe give, you know, lend some to my brother. And and, and we we call that our tithe. But the fact is this, is that the Bible always intended that your tithe goes to the place where you worship. Everything else that is above and beyond your tithe, that's called an offering. And when should I tithe? It's do so regularly. 1 Corinthians 16.2 says, On every Lord's day, each of you should put aside something from what you have earned during the week and use it for this offering. The amount depends on how much the Lord has helped you earn. You earn 10 bucks, you give $1. You earn 100 bucks, you give $10. It's the idea that you set it aside. Everyone say, set it aside. So it's not just, oh, if I've got enough, okay, if I've got some left, or, oh, okay, sure, I'll go. No, but you, you set it aside. You plan it ahead. And, and, and you know, it's, it's one of those things where if we would do so regularly and you set it aside, you're going to experience God's blessing in ways that you couldn't imagine. And, and that's the fourth financial habit for financial fitness. Finally, fifth habit, and we're not going to go into detail about it. We're going to cover this in more detail later. But fifth habit is be content with what you have and enjoy it. Be content with what you have 
and enjoy it. You know, so often we focus our energy on all the things we don't have, and we're chasing after the most expensive house, chasing after the most expensive car, chasing after the nicest clothes, even when we can't afford it. And yet true contentment doesn't come from these material things. True contentment at the end of the day, lasting peace comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus, that, that, that's why the greatest gift that God ever gave to you wasn't your home, it wasn't your car, it wasn't your bank account, it wasn't the money in your wallet. The greatest gift that God has ever given to you was Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven and have a relationship with him. We're going to go into more detail about what it means to be content with what you have and to enjoy it. But let me just end today showing you a couple circles. These two circles represent two different approaches to money. The left circle represents the way most of us approach our money. We receive our money, we spend the money, we, we enjoy it, then we repay our debts or we repay our, we pay our bills, then if there's anything left, then maybe we'll save. If there's anything left or we feel especially generous, maybe we'll give, and then we think to ourselves at the end of the day, at the end of the day, oh, maybe I should have had a better plan. That, that, that's, that's the typical thing that a lot of us go through. God's way of managing money is the complete opposite. What is it? It's first you receive it, you plan what are you going to do with what you've received. Oh, I'm going to give the first part to God, and then I'm going to save some for myself. Before I even pay my debts or my bills, anything like that, I'm going to pay God first. I'm not going to be in debt to God, and I'm going to pay into my savings. I'm going to pay God and then pay myself first. And then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pay off my bills, live off the rest. If I can't live off the rest, then I'm probably spending too much. And see, John D. Rockefeller, he was like the Warren Buffett or the Bill Gates of his day. And he was the first mega millionaire in America. And one day they asked John D. Rockefeller, hey, how did you become this mega millionaire? And he said, I follow the 10-10-80 principle. And you know what the 10-10-80 principle is? The first 10%, I tithe it. The second 10%, I save it. And the, le- the rest of the 80%, I live on that. That's the 10-10-80 principle. And see, if you would want to be financially fit, these are the five habits that we want to focus on. Is you want to be someone who keeps good records. You want to plan and control your spending. You want to be someone who learns to save for the future. You want to be someone who has the habit of giving to God first because he is our source. And number five, we want to be content with what we have and enjoy it. Today, we've been talking about money management. And the fact is this, money management is not just about, you know, being smart or about being, you know, you know having a lot of wealth. Or it's, it's really about your lifestyle, your habits, your heart, your priorities. It's your relationship with God. It's an expression of your relationship with God. And maybe you're here today and you realize you could use some help in this area of, you know, money management. Maybe you're here today and you're really struggling when it comes to money management right now. Maybe you're really struggling financially right now and you want to get back on track, if that's you, then we want to pray for you specifically. You know, one of the benefits of being online is that I I can't see you, no no one else can see you, but God sees you. And so I want to encourage you right now to respond to God. And because what you do behind this screen that you're watching right now counts. God sees it. He's here, he's watching, he's listening. I want to encourage you, if you know that you need help in this area, and you want God's blessing in this area. Maybe you're struggling financially and you realize that you really need 
a, a miracle or you need some real help when it comes to money management, can I just ask you right now, just to lift your hand wherever you are right now. Just lift your hand wherever you are right now. It doesn't matter who else is watching. This is just between you and God. If you know you need help in this area, I'm just asking you right now just to lift up your hand to God. I just want to pray with you and for you right now. Father, for those who have their hands raised right now, we want to pray for them. Because though I don't know what exactly their situation is, you know every detail about their lives. And you love them with an unconditional love. I pray for them today that you would replace the pressure that they feel with your peace that you would replace the tension that they have with a trust in you that if they would put their hope in you and do what you say and take seriously the words you give us about money management that they will move on to a place of being financially fit I pray, Father, for them, that you would replace frustration with freedom. You would replace debt with deliverance. I pray, God, for those who right now are really struggling, maybe they lost a job or they're looking for work. I pray, Father God, that you would give to them a job that's going to meet their needs. And I pray, Father God, for those who close their businesses and are recovering, not just financially, but emotionally from that loss, that, Father, you would be there to restore them and to comfort them to know that you're writing a greater story with their lives than anything that we could possibly write ourselves and that the best is yet to come. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that because of you, we have hope when it comes to our finances. Because of you, we can be financially fit and the best is yet to come. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Can you give God a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now? Praise God. Finally, for those of you who are here and maybe this is your first time in church or you know, you're still kind of new to church, maybe you've joined us for a few weeks or even a few months, but you've never opened up your heart to receive God's forgiveness for your sins. I'm here to tell you that when it comes to money management, you don't have to pay for it because Jesus already paid for it for you. Is that long before you ever thought about giving to God, God gave his son Jesus for us to show you how much you are worth. That even just for the chance that maybe, just maybe, you would accept him into your life, he gave his all for you. That's how much you mean to God. And if you want to receive that gift today, you don't have to pay for it because it's already paid for. You can receive it by opening up your heart to God and praying this prayer with me right now. If you want to receive Jesus into your life, his forgiveness, his peace, his love, his eternal life into your life today, why don't you pray this prayer with me right now? And same, same thing goes. It just don't worry about what your neighbor's doing. This is between you and God. I want you to lift your hand to God right now because this is between you and him. You can say, dear Jesus, thank you that you love me with an unconditional love, that you died on the cross to pay for my sins, that you rose again to give me life. I open up my heart. Please come in. Forgive me of my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, guess what? If you prayed that prayer and you meant that sincerely, the Bible says you are a child of God who's forgiven of your sins, that you are a citizen of heaven who doesn't just have a home here. Even more, you've got a home in heaven. 
And I want to congratulate you specifically if that's you. And we have a special gift to encourage you as you continue to take next steps in your relationship with God. We've got a little link that you can press there. Uh, there's a little link that says Commitment Life to Jesus. Or you can press or you can uh, text the word uh, believe to 604-285-5770. There's resources there to help you unpack this prayer that you prayed so you can make the most of it for the rest of your life. Big congratulations to each and every one. Can you give God a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now? Each and every one of us here. Praise God. Well, right now, we're going to hand the time to our band. They're going to lead us in a song. As they're leading us, let's give our best worship of God. Let's sing. Let's give our tithes and our offerings. Know that when we seek God's kingdom first, he adds what? He adds everything we need. You can go to mythrive.info to give. Let's give our very best to God because he gave his very best to us. Let's do that right now. Just that good, so I'll give thanks. 
so I'll give thanks to God when I don't have enough cause he's more than enough and he knows what I need so I'll give thanks to God when I don't have enough cause he's more than enough and he knows what I need so I'll give thanks to God when I don't have enough cause he's more than enough and he knows what I need oh he knows what I need yes why do I worry why do I worry why do to him give you all his your worries give him all your troubles we are so thankful lord jesus that we have placed our hope in you that we have a place for our hope that lies within you god so why do i worry because you already know what i need why do i worry jesus in your own words begin to tell him I'm not going to worry, you already know what I need, oh you already know what I need, yes Jesus, so why do I worry, why do I worry, why do I worry, God knows what I need, sing it with me, why do I worry, Shout in this place together right now. Oh, give it, there's more in you than that. Give God all of your praise in this place today. You guys are an amazing church, and we are so thankful that you joined us here.
for the first episode of our money management series called Financially Fit. I hope you found it helpful. Next week's going to be even better. And so you don't want to miss it. Uh, Invite your friends to join us. We'd love to see you here next week. That's it for us here at Thrive Church Online. We love you guys. We're going to hand it back to our online hosts. Love you guys. Praise God. Online is cool. One day we'll see each other face to face. The best is yet to come. Hang in there. Keep on fighting. Don't give up. Praise God. We love you. The, the, The best is yet to come. Take care, everybody. Love you guys. Thank you for the powerful message, Pastor JB. It's indeed a message we can take with us in the week to follow. Now for the announcements. If this is your first time visiting us, we would love to hear from you. Text NEW to 604-285-5770 and we will mail you a Thrive Stainless Steel water bottle. If you made the important decision to receive Jesus Christ, let us know by texting BELIEF to 604-285-5770. We have prepared a gift that includes a series of videos that now answer some of your questions about Christianity. And we hope that it will guide you on your new journey with Jesus Christ. If you would like to get baptized or find out more about baptism, go to mythrive.info forward slash baptism. If you're not yet part of a small group, I really encourage you to join one today. One of the greatest joys of being in a small group is the chance to bear other people's burdens, serve their needs and step out beyond your own issues. It's a place where you can get connected with other thrivers, especially during COVID season when we can only meet online. Being in a small group is a crucial part for you to find support and to be prayed for. To sign up for a small group, simply visit mythrive.info today. Don't you love today's message? It is so helpful and practical. I especially love this quote from Pastor JB. Money is not an idol to be worshipped or an evil to be avoided. Money is a tool to be used. I want to invite you to join us next week as we continue the financially fit message series on money management. I am sure you will agree with me that this is indeed a series we can be benefited from. That is all for the announcements. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was such a pleasure spending this time with you. If you're blessed by today's message, don't forget to continue to support the work God is doing through Thrive Church by giving online at mythrive.info. Have a wonderful week and we will see you again next week at Thrive Church Online. Stay blessed and healthy and remember, you are always in our prayers.